Blog Talk Radio. Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and I'm so happy to welcome all of you back after taking a couple of weeks off. Um, somewhat unexpectedly, I thought I would be back last week, but it turned out to work out very well. And let me say thank you to all of you who went into the archive and caught up caught up with some recent episodes. Um, I really appreciate your presence here wherever you are in the world, and I'm very much aware that not all of you are in the United States where I am. Today, I want to begin this broadcast with something that happened just before the show. As those of you who listen to this show relatively often know, I often open books to look for quotes or poems or different things to share during the program. And so um, I had some books and I started with the Bible and I opened it. I opened it to exactly this verse, exactly this part of the page. My eyes went directly to this part of the page, and there was no bookmark. In fact, there were several bookmarks in um, in the Bible here, but it didn't open to any of the pages where there was a bookmark. And I want to read this verse because it will set the spirit and the tone of what this show is all about today and really every time that you hear my voice. That is my intent. This is Luke 11, 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds, and to him who knocks the door will be opened. What more beautiful thing could I open to prior to this program? And every once in a while, it's just astonishing. This is what is known as an astonishing coincidence, an astonishing synchronicity, because it is not a coincidence. The divine is very real. And no matter where you are, or what you think about things, it is speaking to you. Shall we open the door? Shall we knock? Now, it says that it shall be open to us, but you have to knock first. We have to seek. 
we have to seek first. And this very much has to do with the topic of today's program, which is all about the projections that are running rampant and always have in history and in our lives and the harm that these things do. Projections are not fact. They are simply projections. Often, they are based on illusion. And nothing, nothing impacts our peace of mind, impacts our state of fear and the intent of this program, the frontier beyond fear, which I know is a very real thing because I've lived it. doesn't mean that I'm fear-free or you'll be fear-free, but I have felt my own fears be reduced throughout my life because I used to be much more fearful. I used to worry and worry, and that changed for me. Spiritual path carries many gifts, and one of those beautiful gifts is reducing our fear. It also gives us the courage to pursue truth. And I want to tell you how today's episode came about. I've thought about this topic before, and I almost came on the air a couple days ago, I have to tell you, because For a while during this time that I had off, I thought about whether I might broadcast at different times. Maybe I'd broadcast at night during prime time, or maybe just whenever I felt like it, because that's how the show used to be. It used to come on at all different times. Eventually, I realized that Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific and 4 p.m. Eastern, if you're listening to the podcast and not live, that's where I'd like to be, even on those weeks occasionally when I'm not available. And I welcome those who are listening live, and I know some of you come here regularly at this time. Well, it is my continued intent, and October is anniversary month for this program, which began in 2010, and it didn't have a regular time then, but it does now, and it's Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and thank you to the live audience. At the outset, let me thank Blog Talk Radio for highlighting this program on the homepage, which I saw before the show. Let's see if there's still... Yes, yes, as it's live, it is currently highlighted on the homepage of blogtalkradio.com, and I greatly appreciate that, just as I appreciate the syndicates, which will later be carrying the podcast as well, including Blog Talk Radio. Whether you're listening to me now, live, or in the future, even in the far future, you are present here with me. That is the magic of the human spirit of our voices, these things convey our presence across time. And you are here with me, no matter when you are listening or where. So how did this topic come about? 
Well, it happened in a really real way. <laughs> really real. Yes, indeed. I was sitting on a bench the other day where I enjoy sitting, um, I, where I you know get some exercise, and about halfway through, I, I tend to sit in this particular place if it's available. Not always this place, but often. So as I sat down, I saw a little ways in the distance that a small group of women was gathering. It was all women. Um, and they were preparing for some kind of exercise class. And I thought for a moment, well, you know, should I sit here, should I not? I wasn't right on top of them. They were a little ways away. So I thought, yes, you know what? This is where I sit, and I'm going to sit here. How somehow I knew. It's interesting, because I'd seen other groups around, gosh, you know, um, plenty of times. But for some reason, I had an odd feeling about it. So I thought, no, I'm going to sit here, but I'm going to very clearly face myself in the opposite direction of this group. And that's what I did. And I wasn't there for very long, but right about when I sat down, just a few minutes after, they started up a class which apparently was meeting for the first time. And truthfully, I'm not even sure was supposed to be there because um, the person coordinating this had a little microphone and they were playing music and um, having run events myself in the past, I know that that can require rather elaborate permitting because, you know, there are residences around this and things. But I didn't even think about that. I wasn't getting critical at all. I didn't think, oh, do they have a permit? No, I didn't even think at the time. Later, I have to admit, this something pushed my buttons a little bit. And it was because of an inaccurate projection. And I'm going to use this as an example of what happens far too often. And it was harmless, but it happened in real life. So I'm sitting there, and it was almost impossible, in fact, I would say impossible, not to hear the teacher of this little group because she had a microphone and again, I wasn't being critical. Hey, I'm human too. Let's set this clear. The host of this program, whom you are listening to now, is a very real human being. I get my buttons pushed. I project. I do a lot of things. Well, in that moment, I really wasn't projecting so much. I was really trying not to look at this group because I wanted to take a short break in my walk, and I like sitting in this spot, which is very pleasant. It's in the shade, and it's a, it's a pleasant, peaceful place where I'm sitting. So the class kind of got started. I mean, they, I don't know. Again, it was impossible not to hear them. Um, and um, it was only, gosh, a few minutes in where... All of a sudden, the facilitator said, and I was really not looking at them. I also was holding my phone in my hand because when it's warm enough, I don't 
have a jacket to put it in. And I don't like having a giant phone, by the way. I'm not a big believer in those. And it just is so humorous that the flip phone is returning because for years I have thought how impractical these phones are that are giant, giant screens. I mean, really? Does every, and I've never had one that was huge. But, you know, I got the smallest reasonable phone. Um, in fact, I was a 3G holdout for a long time, but then I was forced um, onto 4G at least. So anyway, so I take my phone out of my back pocket when I sit down, but it was just in my hand. Sometimes I'll message or send a picture to a friend um, or something like that. Not too much. Just if I see a really pretty scene, I may send a picture. In fact, um, you know, one of my friends who's actually been on this show knows exactly what I'm talking about. If she's listening today, I might send a picture of a, a pretty view or whatever I've observed along the way leading up to this place. But not that day. I was just sitting there. My phone was just resting Calmly, never. I didn't even take a picture from the bench. So all of a sudden, this teacher says, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit, I'm sure, but close. There's always, it seems like, maybe she said it seems like. No, I don't think she said it seems like. I think she says, and yeah, there's always somebody watching us she says there is always somebody watching us she says then she laughs and she says well look on google later you know like not only was this woman who was youngish not super wise person projecting and honestly there was no one else in sight in fact um I'll tell you, because after she said this, I got up and I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't have later, you know, pretty quickly I thought, you know, maybe that validated what she may have thought, because there really wasn't anyone else around, and I most definitely was not looking at them, and there were some other walkers around, but nobody, nobody was watching this group, nor was anyone in sight with their phone up recording. And yet, this woman projected an assumption, feeling like she's always being watched, and apparently thought she was being watched right then. Not only being watched, but somebody, she assumed, and I could only, now was I projecting by assuming that she was talking about me? A little, I thought about that too. Was I projecting? And then I thought, yeah, but I didn't see anybody else except for, you know, innocent walkers or joggers or, you know, and not a ton of people around. Did that woman benefit herself or her group by suggesting that they were in this uncomfortable situation of someone always watching. And apparently someone watching now was pretty much what she said. Not only that, that they may be putting it up on Google, presumably YouTube. Nobody was watching. I was making a very real point to sit on the farthest part of the bench. Let's put it that way, too. It's funny. How could I have known 
because maybe I picked up on this energy. I wasn't really, my buttons weren't pushed when I sat down. I just was polite and thought, you know, I don't want this group to think that I'm looking at them. Actually, that is true. So I looked the other way. And yet, despite all of that, this was projected towards me. And I know I'm spending a lot of time on this, but it is something that happens so often. And so I got up, and maybe I should have stayed there, but you know what? In retrospect, in the spirit of that moment, I was being polite because I didn't want anyone to feel infringed upon. It was later as I walked, my buttons got pushed a bit more. And I thought, you know, I started to feel some angst about the whole thing. I got up and I walked and I actually walked around to the other side of where this group was, which is really the only way to do it. Still at some distance, really. And clearly there just was nobody around who the only people around were going about their own business, probably trying to ignore that this group had a microphone. Later, I thought, well, you know, having done, I have led very large community events. I have, I have, I know everything about, not in this community where I live now, but I have done it in the past. And I know a lot about if you have a sound system in a public space, you do have to get approvals for that. And it is unusual for someone to have a microphone in that park. So then I thought, well, maybe she was self-conscious, thinking she didn't want you know, someone to call and say, hey, why do these people have a microphone in the park? And uh, yeah, as I walked, it kind of, I'm like, gosh, what was she doing there anyway? You know, um, this really is infringing on the space of other people. I mean, sure, if you're having a festival or an event on a Saturday or something, that's great. But this was a little bit more than normal. So, so yeah, because she had pushed towards me, I was feeling that in return in a way. I was feeling this, um, you know, I wasn't too happy with having this projected on me, even though I was trying to be polite and really I have every right to sit on that bench and do often. And other people had every right to be walking around. And none of us should have been projected on as if we were infringing. There was an assumption about our behavior. Maybe she's been watched before. Well, that doesn't mean it was happening now. I almost came home and did this show during the week. And then I decided, no, that's when I decided this is going to be a Saturday program and it's going to be Saturday afternoon and that's a perfect time when I have the energy and the time and it's just where it's going to stay. How many times are we assuming things about other people? That isn't true. Maybe we've been wounded in the past. Perhaps this woman had been wounded in some way. She had been watched, perhaps. Maybe somebody even complained that they were making too much noise and maybe they didn't have a permit or whatever. That's assuming a lot, though, isn't it? On my part, I'm just thinking. Whatever the reason, what she projected in that moment was not true. It was an illusion. And yet, 
she was suffering from it to some degree to care about it at all. She spread it to the whole group to cause them to be self-conscious. And she spread it to me, sitting innocently nearby, or really anybody else innocuously in the area who may have heard that if they were paying attention, which it would be almost impossible not to hear because of the microphone. We need to change the way we are thinking about one another. This is the greater lesson of today's program, and it is extremely important. There is a reason why I do talk about 1 Corinthians 13 often, the love chapter. When we make assumptions, often harmful assumptions, something that we feel is going to harm us in some way, and we broaden that. Clearly, in this situation, this person had felt that I was a part of a group or someone watching, and really by even projecting it out, anyone in the area. How often do we project from an action, maybe she'd been harmed in the past by this. That doesn't mean that you can generalize to all the people in a park or anyone sitting in your vicinity. This is a huge lesson. And let's be clear, there are those who really like to sow division in our society And let's also be clear that, yes, there are some things to be concerned about in the world and in the behavior of certain individual people. But when we generalize to some vast group, we only harm ourselves. That woman, by making this generalization, not, and it, we harm anyone who listens to the generalization because apparently, you know, this is such an innocent exercise. That's why it's so perfect. How often are you seeking to really understand your neighbor? Do you make an assumption because, you know, somebody else like them who may share some category some political group or whatever, you just assume the worst? You just assume the worst about a person. Individual misbehavior does not generalize to a group. In fact, in fact, when we relate to one another in love, we have a far better chance of ensuring that that doesn't happen because we demonstrate our love and caring for one another. And we may even learn something. You know, there is almost no um, no topic 
that you can't learn something about that is accurate if you don't simply seek. Boy, that really goes back to that verse in a way. You have to be open to seeking. You have to be open. You have to knock and say, I really would like to know the truth about this, whatever that may be. I can tell you without projecting, there are people that will tell you falsehood to get you to behave a certain way, to get you to feel a certain way, to get you to fear a certain way. And let's be clear, this is not a very comfortable world right now that we live in. It is, we are navigating through, um, I have been on this earth long enough, um, almost 60 years, and I will tell you, this is probably one of the most, in fact, I would have to say the most harrowing time in history that I've lived through. I think we are closer to the brink of nuclear war, for example, than ever I recall in my lifetime. I think that we are more divided. And yes, other things have happened at other times. But there are many things to be concerned about. And just based on my subjective and objective feeling, and this is independent, of spirituality, because yes, I have hope, as if it could be, as if anything could be totally independent. It can't. Spirituality touches everything. Of course I have hope. Of course I think there could be a miracle. Of course I think love will carry the day. Of course I want to hope in that. And of course I believe that it, this is possible. But with that said, said it's still a harrowing time. We're all human beings navigating through this time, and we have a lot of things to be concerned about. But one thing we need to stop being concerned about are our projected fears. We need to find a basis in truth. And you'll tend to find that no, you really can't generalize. That yes, you can find individuals here or there where this behavior is not productive or this person is seeking power, this person is deceptive, this person um, is, you know, intending harm. But you need to look at truth to find that. That doesn't mean that you are surrounded by, you know, these really dark people. Stop that. Love. Look for a way to love your neighbor. When I talk about the festival I was involved in, these community events, you know, all of my life I've been involved as a volunteer. In fact, probably least of all now, except this essentially is putting my time out as a volunteer. But I've been involved in various um, ways in my community or in the schools or 
in some fashion for many years. And what you will find when you are in those endeavors is you're not all the same. I have been, you know, assisted by some wonderful people, um, you know, who have been of a different um, background, different faith. You know, I've wondered, you know, gosh, if they discovered my program, what would they think? Are they going to think, you know, um, this or that? And see, look at that. Look at how circular that is where I'm projecting their projection onto me. (laughs) Well, that's kind of natural. Because we can have a tendency to make assumptions about people. But you know what you find out when you work together? What do we think is going on right now down in Florida? Everybody's going down there to help. Are they holding out their um, affiliation politically on a card um, every time they help somebody or if someone wants needs some help, if someone's needing to be rescued? No, I don't think so. How come we rise to that occasion when there is an emergency or even when we're all together working on something important in a community and then we just let it go and embrace the opposite of love and that is fear and assumption and projection instead when we're not in that situation. How come we can't seek to communicate with one another. I tell you, you'll find some things, no matter what your persuasion, you will learn something and you will find something that love brings to the surface, unconditional love. And maybe you'll even help someone who's on the brink who isn't. And, you know, let's not generalize as to who or where. Thank you, live listeners. I know the live show's ending. Listen to the podcast. We serve no one. We only make things worse. When we don't seek to build bridges. You know, this program, it's the anniversary month, began because I used to write very prominently on the Oprah Spiritual Forum as bridge builder. There were people on that forum from all walks of life. And it was an amazing place to be. And those were heady days for me, too, in terms of writing, getting out. Because, um, you know, topics would be on the front page. Sometimes if I would write, initiate a topic, and there it was on the front page of Oprah.com. And that tended to happen because we were building bridges. And it didn't just happen to me, it happened to others as well. And we were not all of the same persuasion. And yes, we changed. We loved. We cared about one another. And gently, gently, viewpoints shifted. We saw things in a broader light. Maybe each of us had to release some kind of assumption. We are not benefiting ourselves or anybody else by projecting fear and hatred onto others. Does that mean that there are not people in the world who hate? Yes, there are people, sadly, in the world who hate. Why 
when we project hatred, do we start hating sometimes? What causes hate? What causes hate? If you love your neighbor, if you seek to understand truth and your neighbor sincerely, wow, that verse at the beginning is so important. I'm going to read it again. Luke 11:9. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. 10. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Do we have the courage to knock on the door of seeking love, understanding, and truth? Understanding does not imply agreement. Understanding is what leads to a more common way. It doesn't lead to, oh, we're all going to think the same. No, we're not going to all think the same, but maybe you can understand, why did this person think this way about me? Why did this person think this way about me? If I could, if someone hates you, why? Why do they hate me? I'm not saying that the woman in the park hated me, but she projected something very unfair and unjustified onto anyone around and presumably onto me because it actually wasn't true. I think she could have seen that I wasn't looking at her or that no one was looking, but maybe she didn't see. You know, they were having a class, but wouldn't it have been nice to be able to say, hey, you know, I was intentionally trying not to look at you. I couldn't help but hear you, but no. I, if you thought I was looking, nope, I surely wasn't. And hope that she would believe me because that's the other problem is we're continually projecting dishonesty onto people far too often. Does that mean that there are not dishonest people? Oh, yeah. I mean, there are people living the human experience and every one of us, is going to go through different phases of different things and different feelings. We need to get back to love. The world is in trouble right now. And, you know, I used to be involved, for example, and I've said this before too, with a Quaker group. I used to be a distributor for the war is not the answer sign in my area. I was not officially a Quaker, although I did go to a friend's church for a short time. But the joke is I talk too much. <laughs> You're allowed to speak at a, at a Quaker church. But I didn't know you can't speak twice in a given service. Well, one time I spoke twice, and, and a woman came up to me who wasn't very nice and said something about that. And, you know, Maybe I should have come back, but it, the whole place wasn't really resonating for me um, in general. And so I did not. In a, in a non-programmed Quaker service, everyone sits quietly, and every once in a while someone speaks. So 
you know, I think during that service at one point I said, God is love. And I think I said one other thing, and then later one of the ladies of the church corrected me that you don't speak more than once. And I don't know, pushed me the wrong way, and it was years ago, and I left, and I just thought, you know, I don't like the energy here. You know, was I making assumptions at the time? Possibly, but I didn't need to be there. But I still distributed the signs. I actually am a firm believer as are many Quaker-oriented individuals, that it is important, important, important to have diplomacy and understanding in the world. That doesn't mean you just condone all kinds of things, no. But it's a very intricate thing to do that. And we are on the brink here, and by being um, cavalier about that, that's the most shocking Thing about these times. I don't think that maybe those of you who are younger fully comprehend what nuclear war would mean. It's the end, pretty much. And not only would it impact us, it would impact our earth and all of the wildlife as well, all of the trees, everything. You don't play around with that. You have to have a better, deeper approach to something like that and years ago we had that wisdom and we seem to be losing it lately and it's a grave concern that that's happening could something miraculous or spiritual happen i certainly hope so and i don't want it to come down to the brink but this is a harrowing time and i lived through the cold war I didn't live through the, not consciously, through all of the 60s, and some pretty harrowing things happened then, but I lived through times where we really respected what this meant, and it doesn't make it easy to deal with a very challenging situation. It was never easy, and as those of you know who listen to me quite regularly, I actually believe that we would have been better off had we gone a spiritual path on this planet. And in the future, I'm going to do a program that will show that they are starting to observe things out in the universe that is starting to suggest that technological planets with evidence of technology are not common or are Really, it's pretty amazing what is not being observed. Sadly, I think that's because most of those worlds either destroy themselves or they shift, or they never went down that path to begin with. We still have the opportunity to shift, but we have to release our grip on these materialistic notions that are contrary to spirituality. Spirituality is the key. Miracles are real. I have witnessed them. I have others have witnessed them in objective ways, things that are absolutely impossible or would be considered close to impossible statistically. We're not living in the world that the materialists 
who are dominant right now think we are. It is a spiritual world. And I firmly believe, and there is starting to be evidence, that the civilizations that progress are spiritual in nature. They have learned to develop that. Because if you go down the warlike industrial path, we see where it takes us. It not only destroys your planet, but it destroys everybody on the planet, including all the creatures or, you know, maybe some survive, sure. This has gone down a bit of a dark path, but we need to be taking this very seriously right now. I happened to watch a movie the other day, and I really need to read the book upon which it's based. And it was the movie Things to Come from 1936. And H.G. Wells wrote the book that it was based on. Um, Now I'm not um, remembering the exact name, and I want to make sure I get it right. The Shape. Yes, that's right. The Shape of Things to Come is the book that H.G. Wells wrote. Well, I don't know if I read the book when I was very young. Possibly, because I read a lot of science fiction. But I don't remember it very well. H.G. Wells, make sure I trust what I heard as to when this was written. Yes, it was written in 1933. And I was rather shocked by it. Because although the first part is difficult to get through in this film, it's very warlike and it's really very interesting that this was written before World War II and you can feel that in it. Um, Towards the end, and I won't spoil it for you completely if you'd like to watch this, there are some very deep questions asked about whether we really are on the right path, when we're driven, 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 driven to continually create the next technological marvel. You know, in this movie, um, basically war ravages the earth, and they don't even, they're just talking conventional warfare because this was written before anyone knew about nuclear warfare. And so, and then it just descends into kind of this tribal warfare, um, almost pre-industrial because Um, They had some equipment. It wasn't quite that way, but it was, you know, things, things didn't go well for this world. Well, the scientists managed to create some kind of way to maintain and continue to advance technology and try to re, um, try to establish a peace on the planet. And what's interesting is you would think, okay, well, that's it. That's the end of the movie. There was nothing spiritual in it at all, by the way, which I found disturbing and unrealistic. But um, certainly in the movie, there was nothing spiritual whatsoever. And that's actually the key to what happened towards the end, where there are some genuine discussions regarding why don't we just live in a simpler way and be in peace rather than feel driven, driven, driven. In fact, they even talked about, I mean, parts of this movie, they they are very cavalier and happy and view it as positive to just 
basically take all the resources from this planet and then go out into the other ones, you know, go to the moon, go to anywhere else, go to the stars. And that part of this was just basically, you know, stripping the resources of any world that you come along just to progress, just to industrialize more, just to advance technology more. And is this advancement? Now, in this particular movie, the people who were saying that it wasn't were more artistically, creatively inclined. They were not spiritually inclined. There was no mention of spirituality at all. And see, to me, that's the key because it is my point, and there have been other science fiction novels on this by other authors, and I believe this is true, that anyone who truly, honestly, objectively investigates spirituality, they are going to discover that it is very real, that there are things that you cannot explain. In fact, to the point that they will decide we must be living in some simulation. That's really the only materialist conclusion that they can come to when things in the world don't add up the way they think they should. It is my contention, and I'm kind of starting this broadcast that will be a separate show a little soon, but it's a recurring theme, that we have missed the boat spiritually, that that's where we needed to place our emphasis, not on everything else and on our fears and on our continual vengeance and war, war, war from the very beginning and always developing a new weapon and that's what defines a particular age. We needed to learn some things clearly through this exercise, but it is not an enlightened way to be and that spirituality is real and there are things that are amazing, that are real, and we are wasting time on everything else. And we're going to start to find out that that is not how you actually progress. And so it was really kind of a synchronicity for me to be watching this movie, which had a similar conclusion, only devoid well, a similar discussion. It didn't really conclude. It was ambiguous how this civilization was going to go forward at the end of the movie. However, the question was raised. What are our goals here? What are our goals? And why? Why? Are people so afraid of spirituality? Oh, full circle again. It's because they have projected onto those paths things that are not true. That doesn't mean that we all need to believe the same thing. Ultimately, it is love that will deliver us, that is advancement. I want to touch upon one more topic related to projection because I've hardly touched it at all, but I've talked about it before on this program. 
we project a lot of things onto events in the future, in our lives and in the world. When I say we are living in harrowing times, you know, honestly, for so many years, how many of us haven't even really thought about nuclear war? And now here it is again. We can fear a lot of things that could happen. There are things beyond the Earth, like solar flares and asteroids, all kinds of things that we can fear. And a bunch of those have been in the news. I mean, recently they were trying out a way to divert an asteroid. Well, hey, I have news for them, them in quotes, the powers that be, the way to divert an asteroid and a spiritually advanced planet would be able to do it easily and probably anything that would threaten your world is telekinesis. Find one person who has that skill and you've done it. I wrote a book along or I didn't write a book, I wrote a short story some years ago about twenty twelve, well before twenty twelve. And I actually sent it a few places, and I always thought it might have gotten a few places because when the 2012 movie, which I just happened to watch recently, was made, there was a relationship between an Indian scientist and an American scientist in that movie, and they were talking via phone, um, satellite phone as a matter of fact, and that was in my story, which I had sent to a number of places. It was not the crux of my story, but I do believe it's very possible somebody got that idea because it was so unusual, the idea, from the story that I wrote. And no, I'm not um, attaching to that because it was just one aspect. It just tells me I think somebody got my story into their hands because I did send it to quite a few prominent places at the time. It was about an asteroid, and it was about telekinesis. And I thought about making it about solar flares later, but it was basically about this concept, and I wrote it years ago. I started to write this story in 2004. And in that story, humanity had to work together to move the asteroid. There was a shift in consciousness, and enough people were able to move it so that it was no longer a threat. And I'm giving the story away. As a side effect, they became telepathic. They had they reached a new level of experience and they started to live a whole new reality. That was what I thought of 2012 at the time in advance. Sadly, 2012 wasn't what we expected. We have a lot of growing to do, and let's hope that we have the time to do it. Where we need to grow is spiritually. All of us project fears onto the future. All of us. Not one of us is immune. All of us project assumptions onto other people. There are people who do not care or intentionally divert truth, sadly. 
with no projection needed. You know, I happened to see before the program, I was looking for Gandhi quotes, actually. Mahatma Gandhi said, Truth never damages a cause that is just. And then, of course, it's right next to the day the power of love overrules the love of power, the world will know peace. Whenever you are confronted with an opponent, conquer him with love. These are quotes from Mahatma Gandhi. I saw another quote. This one's been quoted a couple different ways, so I may say this could be a paraphrase, but this is from the Dalai Lama. If a problem is fixable, if a situation is such that you can do something about it, then there is no need to worry. If it's not fixable, then there is no help in worrying. There is no benefit in worrying whatsoever. Another quote that often gets quoted in different ways, and my apologies if this is not correct, I think it may be slightly different in actuality. This is the problem with looking on the Internet before I come to the program. But I know some semblance of this quote Mark Twain wrote, which I've shared with you before. I've had a lot of worries in my life, most of which never happen. Does that mean a worry, something we're concerned about, will never happen? No. In fact, he didn't even say that. He said most of which. But it is very true that we project our fears onto the future. And in fact, we become less able to address the problem when we do that. I started my career in computer science and spent many years. I still do some. Very simple compared to what I used to do. Very simple. Although it's been many years and I'm not in that career anymore, not in the way that I was. You have to be as you can worry. I mean, okay, I used to worry a lot. But, you know, maybe I'm projecting a bit onto my past. And, hey, we do that too. We project things onto our past. And then when we really get to think about it, we think, you know what? If I worried so much, how come I was able to be calm under pressure? You know, and fix a problem that needed to be fixed. Because I did. I was able to do that. I do tend to think that I worried more than was helpful about the future. But I really did find the ability to be calm under pressure. Later, many years later, yes, I ran a very large community event. Plus, I've led another organization. I've done other things in other ways. And somehow, although... We all get, you know, we feel the pressure, but we were able to do it. We were able to step through the steps, handle what came up, work together with others, which is always the key. We found a way. We can find a way. 
again. If we don't find the way, well, then this was an important exercise. I am a firm believer, and this may be labeled in different ways by different spiritual groups. Everything we do, everything we say, everything we have ever thought, I believe, exists and is stored. Some people will call that the Akash. Others will just say, you know, it's it's something that's kept in the divine. All of us. I also believe that we learn from those things. Other souls and our souls, we learn from what has happened. So there will never be a reason to say none of this Nothing came from any of this. I mean, I think we all can question, is it worth it? I almost said that, you know, is it worth it? I mean, I think the earth experience is very intense. And, you know, why did this have to happen? And why did that have to happen? And you always come to free choice because there is free choice. And we are learning. That's the important part, the spiritual element. We we have to be learning at the soul level. I believe the divine is love. And ultimately love is what arises from everything. Because we are inseparable from love itself. I'm going to draw this program to a close now that we're nearing the hour. I thank those of you again who have visited the archives. You can always find the archives at FrontierBeyondFear.com. The page is a little out of date. I'm actually um, looking to update that page pretty soon. I'm going to move it to a new format so it's a little bit easier to read on phones and things. I don't know when exactly, but I'll try to get it done in a reasonable time. Um, So that's something I've been looking at doing. But you can always find this program. It's on a lot of different, or not a lot, but it's on um, some popular syndication platforms. You can find it on iHeartRadio, for example. So thank you very much. For being here. I do intend to be here next Saturday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can listen and be in the energy of the show while I'm just flowing live, because that's what I do. I just flow. And I like it that way. I hope you do, too. Thanks for being here. I will... See you next time. Take care, everyone.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.